This is Wayne Jernell, editor of Theory and Research in Social Education, and this episode of Visions of Education features a TRSE published author. Enjoy. You're listening to Visions of Education, a podcast where we take a look at big ideas in education from different perspectives. Hi, I'm Michael Milton, a high school teacher from Massachusetts. And I'm Dan Kretka, an education professor in Texas. We're here to help bridge the gap between educators in the K-12 and those professors in higher ed. We hope this podcast will help bring those fuzzy ideas in education into focus. If you were to ask your students how you taught, what would they say? Well, I get some of that in student comments, and I often reach out to my students asking what they like about class or what they'd like to do different. I always ask changes. I think it's mostly positive that I'm pretty excited about social studies and about curriculum and teaching. Strangely, like I really am passionate. And so they usually mention that either as like a positive quality or as is something wrong with you. (laughs) Oh, you like this stuff too much. What do you think? I know that students have said that I, I know stuff like, oh no, he knows a lot of stuff, but sometimes I do go off on tangents that there's no need to, there's no need to, but just like, I really want to go in deep. I really want to go in deeper. I'm like, oh my God, I have to tell you this story about the diamond necklace that poor Marie Antoinette got saddled with that everyone, well, again, this is something where I'm going. Yeah. But, but kids, kids love that. I mean, it's the stories (laughs) that make up history, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's that part of me. And then there's also the part of me that like sometimes like, oh, he does a lot of different projects. Mm-hmm. And that can be a positive or a negative thing. Sometimes students are like, I just like it when you talk. Yeah. <laughs> and then other students, are, they're like, I, I don't want you to talk. I just want you to give us projects to do. Well, I think with most things, students like things to be changed up. I remember when I was a young teacher and I was doing bell ringers and I just had them writing something at the beginning of every day and it just became this, do we have to? And, you know, they don't they don't mind writing something, but they just don't want to do it every day and usually yeah. on, on a school topic. And so I think changing it up is good. I think it's cool when you have a lot of knowledge on a topic and you can speak to it. We deride lecture like it's all the same. I've been, yeah. I know I've been in classrooms where I was like captivated what the teacher was saying. But of course, we don't want to overdo that. We want to have projects. We want to have inquiry. We want students to figure things out. Do you remember at Hogwarts, the guy who teaches history, he's like a ghost who just drones on. Um, I know. I hope that I'm right on that. I'm fairly certain I am. I cannot verify it. I've not watched the Harry Potter movies or read the books. I know. I know. It's terrible. I don't know. I'm saving it for later, I feel like. But There's a lot of stereotypes of teachers. It would be interesting if we taught our students to be better researchers and they started coding our teachers, our personalities and our beliefs, and then the types of instruction that we had. You know what I mean? To figure out the connections between the two. So we did actually, we had a a student, he was a senior, he's doing a project about his social studies teachers and looking at like what type of teachers we were and how that increased student engagement or increased student knowledge. That last part I thought was interesting, but it, I don't really know if he totally hit it. But the part I found interesting was that classifying teachers as to what they're most like, are they more project-based? Are they more lecture-based? I was hybrid, which <laughs> I thought was, I was like, okay, that's kind of out. <laughs> but it was really, it was kind of fascinating to, for him to talk about all the different type of teachers and their teaching style. 
And I always wonder, what does that mean? <laughs> and what, what can I do with that? He definitely, he definitely should have also categorized them by like seven dwarfs, going back to our episode with Mark Helmsing. Oh, God. So this teacher is dopey. This teacher is no, bashful. That's so sad. Hey, there's a happy option. There's a happy dwarf. Oh. So. <laughs> well, I think it is interesting to think how our personalities, our political beliefs, potentially influence the types of instructional activities we do. Oh, this is what the topic is today, isn't it? This is the topic. So we should probably invite in our guest. Yes. So we have Ryan T. Knowles on the line for us from Utah State University. Ryan, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on. Now, you live in Utah. I live in Utah. I'm from Missouri. So are people from Utah called Utans or Utes? <laughs> You Utahans? I don't I don't know. That's a good question. I don't have an answer. Okay. <laughs> it is interesting wherever you go, the way that they use that term. So I was in Sacramento this summer. Sacramentans? Really, yeah, it was really. So that's what they go by is Sacramentans. But I think they should be Sacramentarians. Oh. Yeah. Doesn't that sound really good? And then they should call their local government Sacramentocracy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay. Ryan, do you mind telling us a bit about your background in education? Yeah, sure. So my mom was a preschool teacher for 31 years. So I grew up kind of in the, you know, I think a lot of our students, we see that in their, their families, they came from teacher families. So, so that's me as well. And then I got my bachelor's degree in secondary social studies education. And after that, I traveled around and taught abroad in China and Brazil. And then I came back and taught middle school social studies in my hometown in Macon, Missouri. And then went back to school and got my master's in political science and then got my PhD in social studies education and, and quantitative research methods. And now that's what I do. I came out to Utah to take a job out here in the teacher Department of Teacher Education and Leadership. Now, I do have a question about, so you obviously you're from Missouri. Do Missourians yeah. love company? Yeah. <laughs> Misery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we make everything miserable, right? <laughs> no. Yeah, it, it depends where you're from. You're, you know, it's either Missouri or Missouri, depending on, on where you hail in the state. So, <laughs> Can you, Ryan, can you tell us a little bit, what was it like teaching abroad in Brazil and China? What did you learn about education? What did you see as differences or similarities? So they're obviously very different places and it comes out in some in some interesting ways and if you use all three of them my you know my teaching in Missouri teaching in China and teaching in Brazil you start to kind of see how people conceptualize the classroom space very differently and the types of conversations you can have and what they expect from the teacher and how just these little common sense assumptions that we kind of all make are fundamentally different across all three of those places. And then it changes when you go to higher ed. It's much different as well. And so I think that thought kind of informs my research a lot and start thinking and trying to take steps back to kind of think about how the classroom space is conceptualized and how we make decisions, what goes into the decisions we make on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, Ryan, we are really glad to have you here today because you have recently published an article in Theory and Research in Social Education. So first, congratulations on doing Ooh, that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Not an easy task. The article is titled, Teaching Who You Are, Connecting Teachers' Civic Education Ideology to Instructional Strategies, which we previewed a little bit in our intro. But can you tell us a little bit about the research and what you found? Yeah, sure. So... 
this was a project. I did a survey of teachers in Missouri, and I kind of became interested in how I, I started realizing in my teacher education classes when I was teaching and in some of my other experiences that some students had views of what the social studies class were that was very different than what I was teaching. And when I go to conferences, a lot of people have conversations about that, that some students love what I, you know, they want to do the things we teach in teacher ed, and some students don't. And the literature talks a lot about that. And there's a lot of research on different teacher dispositions, but there's not a lot of work that connects teacher dispositions to teacher decision making. And so I kind of tried to get at that with this question. And I started looking at some of the, the previous work and came up with this typology of conservative, liberal, and critical civic education ideology. And each one of them kind of represents distinct views of the purpose of the classroom of education and of civic education. And then I connected that to their instructional strategy. So kind of a collaborative notion and then a teacher-centered notion. And I found the more conservative teachers were more likely to do the teacher-centered textbooks, lecturing, whereas the more liberal students were less likely to do the lecturing and more likely to do the student-centered and then uh, found some interesting kind of breakdowns across, across that divide as well as critical. That's wild. Yeah, it's interesting and also kind of makes sense when you think of the idea of conservatism being status quo and mm-hmm. passing down knowledge. And I think of people like Edie Hirsch who says, this is our knowledge. Everyone should learn this. It, mm-hmm. I guess it kind of makes sense. Whereas a quote unquote, you didn't use the term, but progressive ideology is more likely to advocate for change in society or restructuring mm-hmm. society. And of course, then critical perspectives even go further in restructuring society. So I guess mm-hmm. it makes sense on the sense of how we view the knowledge in the curriculum. Right. I think it sounds crazy. I'm not discounting your, your study by any means. How I teach students can figure out my political leadings. That's crazy. Yeah. And I want to say too, that it's that I use the term conservative, liberal, and critical, but it's really about how they're viewing education. So I did have, not in this study, but I did have, they weren't quite as categorical as you would think they were. So it was, I think there are different times we kind of lean different directions depending on different curriculum and different what we're doing, right? So there was some overlap between people who were fit squarely in the conservative, and they but they still scored really high on the liberal, and there were still people who scored high on liberal, but then they really high also on critical. So you could fit in multiple boxes. So you kind of explained it, but could you explain the method a little bit about like, how did you identify the teacher's views? What kind of questions right. did you ask to figure that out? Sure. So the, the question that I asked was, how strongly do you agree or disagree that good citizenship education primarily teaches? And so that I had a list of 10 survey items for conservative, 10 for liberal, 10 for critical. And so for conservative, I had, and I tried to write them so some were like very strongly worded and some weren't, tried to have a mix. So for conservative, it was patriotism, loyalty, and civic duty, the importance of honoring the history and heritage of the United States. Then I had some ones I felt like were stronger ones. So limiting the role of government enhances the freedom of the people and that free market can solve most social problems. So it was conservative kind of focus. Some of those I I admit I stole from talk radio that I was listening to, some of the exact (laughs) lines. (laughs) Then the the liberal civ ID focuses on empowering individuals to kind of take part in civil and social life. And so it was for liberal, it was the importance of coming up with your own personal opinions before voting, teaching students how to think instead of what to think. So there's this assumption of neutrality and objectivism 
understanding that the United States is a multicultural nation, skills such as cooperation and deliberation with others, whereas critical focuses on contemporary and historical oppression based on identity, so race, gender, for example. So those social problems from both local and global perspectives, historical causes for modern inequalities, the root causes of social inequalities within communities, nations, and the world, so the existence of discrimination in everyday life based on identity, practices of racism, sexism, class exploitation. So there are very different focuses on what education should be doing across this, this liberal, conservative, and critical perspective. It's really interesting, and I'm trying to kind of make sense of what it means, but I'm sure you did that in your paper. So what does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think... The one thing, and especially when you look at some of the breakdowns based on demographics, and you think about what is a lecture from a conservative perspective, or at least from a teacher who holds these conservative values. And in your intro, you mentioned you were going on tangents, and that's something that I think is fascinating, because what do we talk about when we go on tangents? We talk about what we want to talk about, right? right. And to me, that's probably when a lot of these things come out you know, in, a, in our in our kind of our regular class where we leave the script, or at least in my, when I'm in the classroom, I'm like, wow, he said that, you know, <laughs> and he went on that tangent. So what, one thing we talk about a lot of times in, in social studies education that teachers don't always do what the research says they should do. Some teachers do, some teachers don't, but there's this kind of lament in the field that teachers just don't, in students that we have in class, don't do these inquiry-based projects as much as we would like them to do. But one thing I thought was interesting when I looked at the demographic breakdown is whether teachers are teacher-centered and whether teachers are collaborative or whether they have a more conservative, liberal, or critical orientation is really about the context of where they live. So if you teach in a rural context and you teach in an urban or you teach in a suburban context, they're very different averages. And if you're male versus you're female, it's very categorical as well. So the female teachers were, were much more likely or much less likely to be conservative. They were much more likely to do collaborative-based instruction, even if they were in a rural context where rural people were more likely to do textbooks and lecture-based teaching. And then when you think about, when you add ideology into that equation, and you think about what kind of lectures, what kind of focus, what kind of little assumptions get put in based on your ideology, it really depends on who's in front of the class and and where the class is. And people are getting fundamentally different views of education in their day-to-day instruction. And it's interesting, too, because then I think, to a degree, there's also just elements of gender differences, and obviously it's along a spectrum. Everyone doesn't fit into it. Sometimes women tend to be better listeners, and men tend to talk too much. And it's interesting, because mm-hmm. I wonder if that goes across these ideologies. And then also sometimes the tangents are just different. For example, I imagine mm-hmm. Michael's tangents on, I don't know, hats in the medieval time period or something. Beards are actually, I find fast Facial hair in general, historically, is <laughs> fascinating. Which clearly would suggest exactly your political ideology. Everyone would know. That's right. Exactly. You know? I gave it away. Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't do these things on a day-to-day basis, I think, whether we like it or not. It's, it just kind of comes out. Like, that's why the title article is Teaching Who You Are. It's how you teach. You, you make those decisions to talk about medieval beards instead of talking about, you know, the, I don't know, some other, some other maybe more critical perspective that you could have chosen to focus on. The, the real question is whether it was an inquiry on beards or whether it was a lecture on beard heritage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. 
it was a lecture. Yeah, it was a lecture. Yeah. But it was a tangential lecture, and it just lasted a few minutes. Well, I'm not picking on your beard reference. So I guess the, the point is, though, that my, my point of this article, kind of where I got to the end of it, is that these teachers in classrooms and then students are also part of this. We each have our own kind of ideological positions and dispositions that are often unacknowledged, or at least we don't acknowledge how they affect the curriculum we pick, the type of instruction that we teach, how we engage with students, how we value students' knowledge. That isn't always clear. It's not something that we interrogate in ourselves. And I think to kind of what does this all mean is how do we make some of these things acknowledge? This is who I am. How does this affect how I teach and how I engage with students? And so, I mean, what does all that mean? Ryan, that's really interesting. So if I were to bring you into my school, which hopefully no one makes the decision to give me ownership and power in a school for the sake of everyone. But if I bring you into my school to do professional development, where you would take this study and try to think of implications for teachers and how this could be maybe a reflective exercise, and we could think about who we are and what our teaching means and what we do, what would be in the workshop that you maybe would give or what types of things would you want us to think about? So I would use basically the survey items that I, that I have and create an inventory and then have kind of like one of those where they add up where they fall on the spectrum. I do this with my elementary social studies teachers where they add up where they fall on the spectrum. And then we have a conversation about kind of the strengths and weakness of this very narrow typology because it's not perfect. And then start thinking about in the context of the study. And this study focuses on how teachers teach. I have other ones that are under review that focus on what teachers teach, and there's big, big differences. And so I would engage them in that kind of conversation about this is who they are, how does that affect how they how they view the classroom, and does it affect how they view the classroom and decisions they make, and what does that mean for students that, A, don't agree with you, who may be in a different perspective, and then B, the ones who agree with you, who are maybe not going to get a different perspective if you don't go out of your way to provide it. So I think the professional development was focused on bringing ideology out into the forefront, acknowledging the implications and, and how it affects the classroom space. It's, it's really interesting because I've, you know, we've been talking a lot on this podcast and thinking a lot about inquiries. The big push through C3 and other things has been to use inquiries to start with compelling questions that would allow everyone to kind of engage and, and use evidence to make arguments. And it's interesting because... I think if I if I use that in a class, some students would be like, I would rather you just tell me the information and feel strongly about that because I just believe everyone's curious. I don't know. Am I wrong about that? That's a really think, deep question. Ben. Yeah, I think, though, there's in the classroom, there's a structure of the classroom already. Students are used to having a very prescribed set of rules and structure to get the grade they want. And if they follow those rules, they'll get the grade they want. And when you go in it's difficulty with inquiry base, you go in and say, we're going to talk and do projects and investigate all these things. They're not used to that. It can break down to where they're like, what do I need to get an A? You know, yeah. I have doctoral students who tell me that. And that can be cultural too. I know during my teaching, I remember specifically at a class that was primarily of Asian American students. And the bigger thing was that they just faced a lot of pressure from home on grades. There was yeah. a lot of pressure in performance and getting certain grades. And so the creativity projects, I don't know if it's that they, I don't think it's that they didn't like them. I think that they were often time consuming. A lot of the students, their parents had just told them, you know, you need to, whatever the assignment is, have to do it to the highest level. And so they, I would yeah. like have these assignments where I'd take, make a pamphlet, don't worry about the art. And a kid, kids would come in the next day 
with professionally produced pamphlets. And I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. how much time did you spend on that? And the thing is, is that it was just kind of a different set of expectations. So I had to readjust the way I thought about, you know, the difference between learning, which I think I valued a lot, and achievement, which was what mm -hmm. was valued in the school system, and the reality of, of schools and how students kind of move forward to different goals they have. Yeah, absolutely. And I think in communicating that difference to them is important. Yeah. And of course, all the students weren't the same. That was, right. it was just something that came out for some students that I noticed that tended to be cultural, but it wasn't the same for everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Ryan T. Knowles, for, for chatting with us today. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Ryan, where can our listeners find you and your work online? I, I do have a Twitter, uh, but I don't use it very much, except I put some things up every once in a while. But yeah, it's uh, RTK7TD is my Twitter handle. It's my initials, RT, yeah, RTK7TD, so nice. my initials, seven points for a touchdown. Yeah, right. I like it. It right. sounds, you know, if we're taken over by robots, you could just use that Twitter handle to fit in. That's I right. feel like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. RTK. And then I have, yeah, I have an academia page. Cool. Well, you've done some cool work. I know your work's really valued in the social studies field, especially because you're diving into quantitative research, which... Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Social studies is in the humanities. <laughs> and so we don't, we struggle with having quantitative research. So you're highly valued for, for many other reasons, but that one too. That's right. We're a growing niche. There's a lot of good quant folk in the field now, I think. Thank you again so much for bringing all of your knowledge and telling us about your study. And we certainly do hope to continue this discussion online with your Twitter account when you're active and in other spaces also. All right. Thank you very much. So we are all about sharing the learning at the Visions of Education podcast. If you're doing something fun, creative in education, or you just want to chat, and let's be frank, we know you do. Hit us up at Visions of Ed. Also, we're on Facebook and that mystery location, which I set up one time and I forget where it is. <laughs> and if you haven't already, subscribe to Visions of Education on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and anywhere you want us to be. And if you write us a five-star review, we will read it on the podcast. So just go over and find Visions of Education podcast in Apple. Go to our Do it right page. now. Yeah, and just go down. And if you just kind of scroll down, there'll be five stars. And you can click them all. And you can even write a review. And maybe make it funny. And when we read it on the air, we'll all have a laugh. You can find, yes. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Dan Kretka. And I'm at 42 Think Deep. Until next time, this is the Visions of Education podcast signing off.